Welcome to the Nature Reliance Podcast, where we explore the history and practical experience of the great outdoors and discover new ways to connect with nature. I'm Craig Cottle, your guide through the fascinating world of natural living and survival skills through experiential education and interviews. Today's episode is brought to you by the Nature Reliance School Online Membership, an immersive online learning experience designed for outdoor enthusiasts just like you. Are you passionate about the outdoors? Do you crave more knowledge about disaster readiness, wilderness survival, bushcraft, tracking, and nature awareness? If so, the Nature Reliance School online membership is your gateway to a community of like-minded individuals, all dedicated to learning and sharing essential outdoor skills. With the Nature Reliance School online membership, you get exclusive access to a wealth of resources, including expert-led tutorials, interactive webinars, and a library of engaging courses, downloadable books, and documents. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced outdoorsman, there's always something new to learn. So don't wait. Click on the link below to join the Nature Reliance School online membership today. Embrace the wilderness, enhance your skills, and become part of a community that values nature as much as you do. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to the Nature Reliance Media Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the Nature Reliance School Hands-On Coursework. Our students have come from over 25 different states and from all walks of life. Nothing compares to the satisfaction of experiential learning in the outdoors and sharing a campfire with like-minded people. During the upcoming fall of 2019, there are a variety of classes that will help you be more comfortable and educated on all things outdoors. Look in the description below for a link to our course calendar with classes in Wilderness Navigation, Basic Survival, and Nature Immersion. Beginners and experienced persons alike will gain much from getting in the woods with us. The best part is that listeners of the podcast get a sweet discount. Just use the discount code PODCAST for 20% off any class you sign up for this fall. Come on, join in. Let's learn together. Welcome to the Nature Reliance Media Podcast, where we bring nature to you. Our goal is to share the experiences of experts in outdoor pursuits to help educate, enrich, and entertain about the natural world that surrounds us. Spending time outside is scientifically proven to be good for us all. We want to share the things that you need to enjoy it and to do so safely. If you like this podcast, then please subscribe and give us a positive review. Also, please click the share button on any podcast and pass it on to your family and friends. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural Nature Reliance Media Podcast. We are so excited that you are here. I am Craig Cottle, the youngest of your two co-hosts. <laughs> well, I guess that makes me the old man. Hi, I'm Tracy. <laughs> So, guys and gals, what we wanted to do is, if you saw the title, 100 Years of Experience, there's 50 years of experience for each of us. We're not really, but it sure is close. And what I thought we would do today is, for episode zero, take the opportunity for our listeners to listen in on our backgrounds and what we would like to see the Nature Reliance Media podcast be used for. In short, we really want people outside. That's that's our whole goal. We want to do it safely. We want everybody to have a good time, come back home, go back and do it again. And one of my personal goals is to interview some people from different fields that can share the data and science behind why being outside is so good for us. Yeah, that is wonderful. Keyword there being safely, don't you think, Craig? We have so many young people that are coming up that are not being instructed on how to get out safely. We'll get into more of this as we go forward, but I'm a volunteer search and rescue uh, team member here in Central Kentucky, and we do about 50 rescues a year, sometimes up towards 60, 65. So safely getting outside is going to be a key feature for us uh, throughout these podcasts, you think, Craig? Yeah, I think um, our purpose is to feed off Tracy's experience there for search and rescue, everybody listening, because he's got a lot of interesting uh, searches that he's been on and a lot of things that he's going to be sharing in his own podcast. And sometimes we'll do these together where we'll go through a scenario and discuss what's happened, not to belittle people, but obviously to learn from them and see what kind of simple things that we can do to make sure that we all have good experiences outside. But with all that said, what I thought we would 
do to help people understand who we are and who your co-host here is to go through the last five decades for each of our lives, pull out a few nuggets of fun things that we have experienced with the outdoors and share it with you. That's, that's our thought here today. I believe it'll definitely give you some insight into both who we are and where we will be going in the future because now we have 50 years of experience each and we have some goals for ourselves as well as the way we want to guide and help people as best we can. We also, if you're familiar with Nature Reliance School, we have a host of different classes that we teach and a lot of alumni of those classes. So we sent a query out to those alumni and said, hey, what kind of questions would you like to have us answer on the podcast. So at the end of this podcast, we're going to have several of those questions and we'll answer them here. And, and hopefully that'll help you get to know us as your co-host. Uh, the questions will be good. Uh, there'll probably be some storytelling in uh, within those questions, I'm sure. So we're going to get started with uh, breaker break our history down into teens, I guess, uh, tens of years, I, would sh- I should say. So we're going to start out between zero and 10 years. So what kind of things did you do as a kid growing up, Craig? Oh, so a real interesting place that I grew up. I grew up on a street called Cottle Drive, which was basically my old family's farm where my dad and his brothers all settled and built houses on this one street. So I grew up around my aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents and all that stuff on one street, which is good in a lot of ways and awkward in other ways, but it was, it was a lot of fun. We grew up, uh, my grandparents' house from my perspective and what the archaeological society is saying, my grandparents' house was literally sitting, you know, within a few yards of where a station called Strode Station existed. And that was one of the frontier outposts for this part of the world in Kentucky. And so there was always the opportunity to run across a spear point or arrowhead. And even I have a, I have an old cannonball that I dug up next oh, wow. to my grandparents' house. There's this big intent. I mean, my, my dad and my, and his brothers were all into muzzleloading and frontiersmen and period correct reenacting. So we did a lot of that hunting with muzzleloaders, you know, developing what I would consider good woodsmanship ethics, good hunting ethics on how to be what I like to refer to as a proper woodsman. Also spent a lot of time with my other cousins who were older than me fishing in Lubbergrud Creek, which has its own unique history and, and running around as best we could and find farm ponds and fishing and just being kids, man. It's just country boys is what, <laughs> yeah. what I was. Running through uh, the field. Boonsboro State Park was a big part of my life too. We grew up going down there and camping. We would do a little bit of reenacting there from time to time, but more often than not, it was just modern camping, taking the camper down there and and learning to play with other kids and playing on playground and just running and playing as hard as kids could go. So yeah, that's me, probably zero to 10, a whole lot of outdoor time, kind of of life where mom said, get out and come back when it's time to eat. And that was about it. Yeah, absolutely. So let, let me ask you a couple of questions. The uh, Lubbergrud Creek, that has a whole history to it, doesn't it, for Kentucky? It does. Uh, Daniel Boone existed in this part of the world for uh, for many of his adventures, and Lubbergrud Creek was named by Boone on one foray into the area he had. Um, uh, he, he could not read as well as people would like to think that he could. So he always encouraged people traveling with him to bring a book and read from it around the campfire because he enjoyed hearing stories. Gulver's Travels, there's a creek in there, and I, and I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's something like Laurel Begrud or something. And the way Boone wrote it down was Lobegrud. And so he named the creek Lobegrud. There was a interesting battle there. I shouldn't say battle, but uh, some Shawnee that tried to uh, kill Boone and his his companions there, and and the Shawnee came up on the losing end of that. And it was where a lot of our Nature Reliance School classes that we'll talk about later, we were th- within a few hundred yards of where all that happened. Yeah, that's interesting. You should do a podcast on Lovegrad Creek in and of itself. <laughs> that's a good idea. Maybe yeah. I will. That's that's a real good idea. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else? Zero to 10? No, dude. Tell me what's going on with you when you're 10 years Uh, and younger. Zero to 10. Grew up in a very rural county. And when I say rural, I'm talking about the population of the entire county um, at that time was probably about 5,500, 5,500 for the entire county. So very rural, very small. Everyone knew everyone. Um, As far as my family, we always had uh, horses. We would use horses to work a garden, turn the 
turn the ground and everything else and pretty much oh really it. yeah yeah i didn't know you did that with the garden and everything too yeah absolutely there's you know, so much i don't know about you yeah there's a, <laughs> there's five of us five kids in the family and at one time we raised two full acres of pretty much a garden think about that two acres of a garden to feed all the family and of course we gave well, you'd have food, to food away to uh, neighbors and everything else and the vast majority of that i'm talking probably 80 90 percent of that was done with horses so mm, nice yeah we were always outside doing something our family vacation was always outside we spent our time at cave run lake which you probably probably did too didn't you we did. We uh, spent some time up there around Zippo Campground, around yeah. Clear, Clear Creek Campground. Growing zero to ten, probably Clear Creek Campground. Right. That's more exactly than where Cape we Brown. camped at all the time. So, oh yeah, nice. you and I may have saw each other whenever we were there you young go. kids. But uh, but that was that was exactly what we would go to Clear Creek, where we basically took two campsites. If you if you remember how it's laid out, you had the campsites and then you had a little horse camp and we would take a site from each of those that butted up so keep the horses on the horse and the people on the people but during the day whenever we got up that whoever wanted to go horse riding went horse riding whoever wanted to go to the lake and swim or fish or whatever you know took off and that was our vacation pretty much and we did that actually up until I was 15, 16, 17, somewhere in there. And then oh, yeah. and then things kind of drifted away a little bit. But pretty much all outside, you know, back when I grew up, parents pretty much kicked you out of the house. Uh, it sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, you weren't allowed to stay in the house. You know, mom would chew us out. We was always outside playing, doing something, basketball usually. That was the big sport in Menifee County. So, yeah, uh, 0 to 10 was pretty much just outside playing games that boys play. Tell us about 11 to 20. What's going on with Tracy Tremble? The teenage years. Yeah, man. man. We get in trouble, isn't it? See, grew up on what we would say the creek. Early transportation for us during those years was 10-speed bikes. I remember getting a dirt bike whenever I was 14, I think. I hadn't gotten my license. I might have been 15, but I had a Honda 250. My dad paid half of it, and I worked and paid the other half. And, man, you're talking about nice. We got you around pretty quick. Oh, gosh, yeah. We would spend just days and days and days into the woods. Menifee County, we had a pretty thriving logging industry there. It had all kinds of log yards. We had um, log roads to ride on and just mud up to your waist and hills to climb. So it's, it's a wonder we didn't get killed back in those hills. But we would basically, during the teen years, all the boys on the creek would come together we would do we'd be doing something we'd be playing softball basketball going for a hike back then we'd hit hunt each other with bb guns which was rather stupid wasn't it we'd go camping all of us we'd get together and and then just take off in the woods and we had two two or three places that we'd we'd always kind of migrate to but just go in the woods and build a campfire and lay down on the ground and Nobody died and all that good stuff. And nobody died. I started to say we just lay down and go to sleep. But, you know, whenever you're a teenager you really, and a bunch of boys, you really didn't go to sleep much, did you? You didn't want to be the first one to go to sleep. <laughs> never. Never. <laughs> it was but, one of them uh, things that most people just kind of, or at least my experiences was that we would just kind of do everything we could not to go to sleep. And then everybody would just kind of pass out. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey guys and gals, a quick break in our episode to talk about a game changer in outdoor cooking, the Fire Maple Backpacking and Camping Stove System. Whether you're hiking, fishing, or even prepping for emergencies, this portable pot and jet burner is a must-have in your gear. Best part? It's nearly half the price of a comparable jet boil stove system. Thanks to its leading heat exchange technology, you'll experience reduced boiling times by up to 30% compared to traditional stoves, even in windy conditions. That means more time enjoying the outdoors and less time cooking. Are you ready to upgrade your outdoor cooking game? Click the link in the description now to grab yours. Trust me, your outdoor adventures will never be the same. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I was thinking back at some of the stupid things we did back then. But teen years, what else happened in teen years? Played a lot of, not a lot of sports, played basketball, a little bit of baseball. And like I said earlier, our, our vacations 
even through the teen years, was pretty much at Cave Run Lake on the lake camping and horse riding. How about yourself, Craig? The teenage years, tell us something that you got in trouble with, because I know you did. <laughs> yeah, oh, without a doubt. The teenage years was when I became a good hunter, uh, meaning I was reaching my goals of hunting and killing animals, but I did not have a very hunter-vationist or stewardship-minded mindset. I was I was just hunting with abandon. Hmm. I would spend, I was playing, I played sports too. I played baseball all the way through high school and into college. But I quit, I was playing football and loved it, but I quit playing football because we had Saturday morning practices in the fall and I couldn't hunt. And I, and I straight up quit playing football because I wanted to hunt more than I wanted to play ball. That's called priorities. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was me. I mean, I remember we had a Saturday morning hunt. It was kind of a funny story. And I, and I, my dad and I went squirrel hunting on the opening day of squirrel season every year together for probably 25 years, probably 25 years, but I missed one. And that one day that I missed was due to a football practice. My freshman year in high school, Hmm. my cousin went with my dad instead of me, both of them killed their limit and squirrels. And, and I quit football. I quit football the next week. Yeah. So I'd had enough me, of that. Let me ask you this talking about hunting. Do you remember your first hunting trip? I do. What, what Very was distinctly. It? Was it squirrel hunting? Yeah. Squirrel hunting was the first thing that, that my dad took me to. And it was here in Clark County where I'm from. And it was an old farm. A lot of history on this farm, too. Uh, there's a lot of history around all of us if you pay attention to it. But but uh, it was an old family farm. When I say the old family farm, even older than the one I mentioned before, uh, because this is where like my great grandparents had a farm, great, great grandparents coming out of Boonesboro and all the stuff that went along with that. They migrated out of Boonesboro and came into this, this farm. And I hunted there every opening day of squirrel season. That was the only time I ever hunted there was opening day of squirrel season. The landowner at the time knew that we were appreciative of the history and the land, so he would let us go in there every every open morning. Very nice. But it was, yeah, learned a lot, learned what it was like to hunt by myself for the first time after many, many years of my dad coaching, training, and, and then I remember him uh, literally walking off from me the first time I can see it right now. It scared me to death. I was very, he had very much well prepared me, but I, I remember being scared because I just, it was the first time I'd been in the woods with a gun by myself and just put my chest out there and got it done. Right. You know, did what I was there to do. Uh, I did when I was 13, got lost in the Daniel Boone national forest during my teen years on a deer hunting trip. And that really affected me deeply. And it, it is probably the precursor, most important thing in my life that happened that put me into running a, what most people call a survival school, nature reliance school. The things that I did there, I couldn't explain at the time. I can explain very well. Now I understand why I panicked and ran and did the silly things that I did. That was, again, that was real important to me. And I also, during this time, started hiking the Shelter We Trace here in Kentucky, which is 323 miles now. Back then it was a little bit shorter, but I section hiked that trail during my high school and college years with a buddy of mine. That was uh, interesting. Got to see the whole state to a degree, not Western Kentucky, but the whole portion of the Daniel Boone, north to south through central Kentucky. So that was uh, very instrumental in developing me as a woodsman as well, learn how to be a backpacker and not just a hunter, uh, fisherman and that type. 25, 30 mile hikes a day will, or uh, for a weekend will push you into evaluating your gear, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it does. It, it really helped me develop. I mean, the, I remember the first trip that we took i took an old boy scout pack that my dad had i wore my boots that i wore on the farm that i worked in a pair of red wings that had steel toes in them and it was snowy mm-hmm. uh, took a whole bunch of canned food uh, chili mac and stuff like that had no idea what we were doing i was you know miserable the whole time and loved every second of it I love the challenge of it. Uh, there was something about it that just turned me on, and uh, I haven't been any different since. Yeah. There's a group of us here in Menifee County that we're talking about doing the ST in sections, either 2020 or 2021. So kind of looking forward to that. Yeah. It, it's well worth a trip. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I agree. 
So you want to get into our 20s? Uh, 20s. Let's see. Well, I graduated high school in 86. At 18, I went off to um, college for a year, a little small college down in Danville, Kentucky called Center College. Really had no clue what I was going to do. I know that's not going to be a unique story, but I went down there to play basketball and just had no clue of what I On wanted scholarship? to do. Well, it's a small school. They didn't offer scholarship, but uh, they gave them grants and that kind of stuff. So mm, cool. a play on words, I guess, but I uh, enjoyed it. it. It was an eye opener for me. I played basketball my entire life, got down there and finally realized that eh, I really didn't enjoy basketball as much as I thought. It really kind of hit me that, you know, I got to make a decision on what I want to do with my life in terms of education or work or, you know, what have you. So I, I spent a year at center, jumped out in, um, in joining reserves. I went to basic training down at Fort Army. Knox. Army. Army Marines. reserves. Army Air reserves. Force. Yeah. yeah. Spent a summer down at Fort Knox, came back and, and uh, entered into Moorhead State University, and I graduated from there and then and then went to work. Got my degree in accounting, computer information science, went to work for a bank, and spent the next um, eight, nine years, ten years uh, working in the banking industry. Uh, in terms of the outdoors in my 20s, Craig, was pretty much just, I say same old, same old, hiking, fishing, camping, just weekend campings. Never did. I've never done a real, you know, two week, three week hike type deal. Everything that that we've always done has been probably no more than four days out, you know, like a week, you know, take off on a Wednesday through a weekend type deal or weekend Mm -hmm. type deal. So that, that is one reason why I'm kind of interested in doing the ST is really get out and see the whole the whole shebang because the, the st goes through uh my county so i've been on a good portion of it but i've never been on all of it by by, right. by any means so i'm looking forward to that spent a lot of time playing golf golf was a big thing you know tiger woods was hitting the scene and uh, we had a golf course real close to where i grew up we spent a lot of weekends playing golf which which is really outdoors and golf courses are manicured nice and you're out there with three other guys that you choose to be with so it was a lot of fun i really enjoyed my 20s it was a time of getting feet on the ground and work direction that i thought i was going to end up going i thought at that time i'd be in banking for the rest of my life but it turns out that that wasn't the case but i really enjoyed it learned a lot uh, so that was my 20s how about the 20s for mr craig cottle well, I got married young and cons- uh, compared to now, I was, I think, 21, 22. I can't remember exactly how old I was. I married to Jennifer, my beautiful bride of today is still going strong. We did the me and her thing for several years there. Then we put a lot of effort and time and energy into deciding whether we wanted to have children. And we did, and very happily had children. Uh, my daughter Lily was born, and a couple of years later, my son Zane was born. And so that changed the way I did things outside. I had right not too long after Lily was born, I was still trying to prove that I was going to be the same Craig Cuttle I'd always been, and went on a canoe trip when I shouldn't have gone in bad weather, nearly drowned. Uh, that's a long story to me. That's another podcast too, because I learned a lot of lessons there, but I nearly, I, I came about as close to death as I've ever come in my life on that trip. And I remember thinking in the midst of drowning that I was going to leave my daughter behind without a dad. And, and it just changed me for the rest of my life as far as how I wanted to do things. So I started adjusting the way I experienced outdoors and trying my best to learn how to see it through the eyes of my kids and introduce them to outside. And that turned out to be one of the best things I've ever done for outdoor education because I got to see things and brand new again, the way they saw it. And so we spent an incredible amount of time running around, playing in the woods with the kids, sometimes going on little bitty short, you know, 20 yard hikes and sometimes going for a mile or so when the kids are little, Jennifer carrying one of the kids in a backpack, me and carrying the other, 
when they couldn't walk and all that kind of stuff. So we spent a great deal of time exploring, playing in the lake, playing in creeks, throwing rocks and taking the dog with us and all that kind of stuff during that time. I was actually working my first job out of college. I graduated from University of Kentucky with a degree in business management, statistical analysis, uh, emphasis, and worked in healthcare for a couple of years and then went to work for a natural gas utility during this my twenties as a gas controller, basically looking at the statistical forecasting of gas usage for a small natural gas utility here in Kentucky. Yeah. But that's, that's me in the twenties. Very good. So real quick, I think that I see it. I see a lot that men do not want to change. They don't want to go from that single status to a dad. And you Mm -hmm. did. I think you said you, you were going to prove that you're the same old person, but you're not, you're a dad. And I know that getting kids outside is something that you're passionate about. So just for our listeners, you have an upcoming podcast that you're going to talk about how to get kids outside and, and do all that. Is that correct? I do. And uh, it's built upon both my perspective as well as my wife's perspective, the things that we learned with our children as well as the things that we've learned teaching literally hundreds of school kids. Some some of those school kids having zero experience and being very much opposed to being outside as well as some that loved being outside and good old country boys and girls, just like I was enjoying being outside. And so we, I learned a lot from my wife because she did not grow up doing much things, many things at all outside. Mm-hmm. And so it was the trans, there was a transition there for her actually with me as well as then transitioning uh, our kids into it. So when we were first married before kids came along, Jennifer and I did a lot of backpacking together and in and around the Daniel Boone National Forest and, and stuff of that nature before the kids came along. So that was something that seems weird because we haven't done anything like that in so long now, but we used to do a lot of that together. And uh, yeah, very, very passionate about trying to help people get outside, youth and adults, mainly because I've studied the science of how valuable it is for money, body, mind, and spirit. And I know how valuable it is. I can scientifically prove how valuable it is. And so I want to do my part to help people get outside. Getting family outside sure brings them together, I think. Oh, um, without a doubt. Yeah. Without kid, a doubt. Kids and if you do it right. Yeah, if you do it right. So if you have kids and you're interested in that, look for a podcast by Craig coming up on how to get the kids out outdoors. So I think that sums up there. Where were we, 20s? Yeah, 30s right. now, dude. What about so you, moving, 30s? Oh, moving into the 30s. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, you. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. You like this podcast, don't you? And you're thinking about doing a podcast yourself. Let me tell you how easy it is to do this with Anchor. First off, the money's right. It's free. Zero cost. Secondly, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Bonus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. 30s was actually kind of, now that I look back, was some, somewhat kind of bleak until I hit my late thirties, focused on, on work. And I seemed like I worked quite a bit in, in my thirties, uh, still in the banking industry, worked for a finance company. I did a lot of finance, uh, finance work and managed a bond portfolio for a bank and, and that kind of stuff. Some, some side jobs and such, but, and then in terms of getting out outside during my thirties, my early thirties, really, I kind of broke away from being outside other than just occasional hike and, and that kind of stuff. Didn't do much hunting. And my hunting experience really is just squirrel hunt. I really like to squirrel hunt, but there was something that happened in my kind of my late thirties that changed. You want to take a guess what that was, Craig? What's that? You and I met. <laughs> I have that effect on people, don't I? <laughs> yeah, that effect on people, bro. So I, I was trying to think when, I think it was 2005 or six, something like that. 
when you and I actually. It's like a disease, a great <laughs> outdoor disease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think it's somewhere. Th- I was thirty six, thirty seven. I think was whenever you and I met. In the process of you and I getting to know one another, you had made a comment about how you like the outdoors. Yeah, I like the outdoors too. You know, but then you said you was going to start teaching, and that perked my interest back into the the outdoors because I've never been around anyone who really who would who would walk through the woods and teach you know we just we just that wasn't done in my family everyone kind of grew up and just kind of learned on their own and and that kind of stuff but you were the first person that I was ever around that actually wanted to teach that's how I got back into being outdoors is through meeting you and getting involved in uh, nature reliance school and taking classes yeah, so you had you I had like a good that that you effect. had a good positive effect on me in terms of the outdoors. <laughs> in terms of the outdoors, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so thirties for you, Craig. Well, for me, that uh, continued my kids growing up doing a lot of stuff outside. We made sure that we spent overnighters as well as picnics. Sometimes, you know, little forays out for an hour or two. Sometimes for a night. And I also got heavily involved in doing uh, probably late 20s, actually, but some in the 30s doing more habitat improvement work, stewardship work. I've uh, got some natural certifications through the Wilderness Awareness School. I got uh, some of the farms that I worked on, the woodlots that I worked with. I uh, got designated habitat improvement areas, stewardship forests, and stuff of that nature because of the work that I was doing. I, I found that through education, through the Kentucky Division of Forestry and Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife, how much of an integral part we are in the outdoors. And if we do things properly, we can help wildlife and basically partner up with them because they're going to do their things very naturally. If we engage with that process, then it's really interesting to see what kind of things that we we can have an effect on. That was definitely, definitely the time when as Tracy noted the birth of Nature Reliance School started, and I remember that first class that we did outside was miserable. I really didn't know what I was doing as far as teaching others as a group. I, I knew ways to teach people that were in my family. I was just mimicking the ways that my dad taught me, but I had gone to a couple other survival schools to see how they went about teaching strangers, which it seems as an, for those that are interested in educating others, there's one way to teach people you're incredibly familiar with. And then sometimes there's some things that you just have to do different to teach people that you're strangers with. And so I started developing that ability, both through some of the other things that I was doing as a professional that I was applying to, to outdoors Basically, what I saw as, and and Tracy described it earlier too, some of the things that Tracy did as a kid, the things that I did as a kid are what people call survival now. We were doing for fun. Just going out in the woods, laying down, building a campfire, hanging out, that kind of stuff, having basically nothing as far as supplies. Sometimes a blanket, sometimes just a piece of plastic or some variation of it. That was a whole lot of what we started doing with Nature Reliance School, uh, building that up and getting that started. And very incredibly thankful that Tracy came along with that. But I remember the first class that we taught Land Nav, somebody else was teaching it. And it was it was actually incredibly terrible. Tracy and I getting along the way we do worked out incredibly well in all the classes that we teach because it's, it's just been it's been uh, an incredible partnership there in that regards that's for sure how about that dude yeah it um n- I'm trying to think back whenever you said the first class i'm, I'm thinking back to that about how cold it was and Golly, <laughs> and, was miserable, man. it was it was tough it was tough it's a learning process and yeah, nature line school has come a long ways that's for sure helped out a lot of people We've got a good family going, don't we, in Nature Reliance School? Yeah, we do. We've talked yeah. about the the group that is Nature Reliance School community. Do we call it a family, a tribe, a campfire group, or whatever? I don't know. Yeah. Family's probably the best word because we all do what we can to to support one another as best we can. It's a, a pretty unique group, really. Yeah. So thirty saw a, a lot of growth. That's for sure. So let's move on to our forties if we're done with our thirties. Yeah, do it. Go for it. 40s 
Well, as you said, partnered with uh, Nature Reliance School with you. So we started doing a lot of not just being out outdoors, but studying outdoors. And that's something I never did, Craig, ever, ever. It, you were the ones who really got, you were the one who really got me started on learning trees. How about that? Um, hmm. Outside of, you know, oak and hickory and, and uh, it's another squirrel, disease the, I'd like to infect people yeah, with yeah. is tree nerdism. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of the, yes, I call them squirrel trees, you know, where squirrels are going to be eating nuts. I didn't really know. And you're the one who got me studying that. And Jennifer's helped in the plant identification and such. So it's been a good experience for me. I really enjoyed it. It really Hey, let me up. jump in here real quick. Uh-huh. We got an upcoming podcast for those that are listening because Tracy's alluding to something that would go into great detail on the podcast about basically the difference between practice and training and experience and, and all the things that go along with it, both, both from a search and rescue standpoint, Tracy goes into that some growing up as a person, what kind of things to apply. So be looking for that coming down the pike too. So yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Absolutely. Well, just the ideal of studying outdoors really opened up much more of it to me than I'd ever been exposed to. I, th- I think you said it. I got started as part of Nature Reliance School outside of just being a student in teaching land navigation. That was the first class I ever taught or helped you with. That was over at K-Run. I remember that class very well. That one actually turned out very, very well for a first class, didn't it? Yeah, that was, that's, yeah. I don't know how, I don't want to say it's the best land nav class we've had. It was good. It, I don't it know, man. Good. It was a yeah. good class. Good, good group of people. Good group of people. One. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he improved quite a bit. He did. Um, 40 saw me moving back to my home county, getting married. Uh, once I moved back to Menifee County, uh, being such a small county, everything is volunteer. Fire department is all is 100% volunteer. Search and rescue teams all volunteer. So I joined the search and rescue team, joined the local fire department, been helping do that. I think getting close to about five years now, definitely four. So yeah, through the forties were, was, has, has been good. I, I really enjoyed my forties. I'm 51 now, but my forties, I really, really enjoyed wife moved back to my County, spend a lot of time. She and I go out and do a lot of kayaking on Cave Run Lake. The girls, uh, we got two girls here at home. They enjoy kayaking swimming jumping in the lake so a lot of good times outdoors and you and i spent many 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 nights out uh, <laughs> teaching uh nature reliance school and, and and just uh laughing and enjoying the 40s 40s was a great great decade for me yeah same here for sure the as we mentioned earlier the growth of nature line school started when in my in the decade of my 30s but man it exploded in the 40s a lot of that without a doubt is is due to this survival industry phenomenon especially what's happened on tv without a doubt like i you know can't deny that at all but one thing's for sure we do it a very particular way that it attracts a lot of people I had one of the best comment or uh, compliments I've had in a long time this past weekend I was teaching an advanced survival class and I said something we were all talking about what you and I were just talking about is that the nature line school community is an interesting group we all are mutually supportive of one another and it's it's just a good solid group of people and the guy one of the guys in class said yeah Craig but you kind of stack the deck right because you attract that kind of person so that that that's a great compliment that's a great compliment it it humbled me but yeah it's it's interesting we we've had the opportunity during this decade to train not only civilians but we've trained u.s marshals dea fbi Mm -hmm. state law enforcement local law enforcement first responders in fire ems search and rescue Uh, we're developing programs for ptsd for the state of kentucky now that uh, that has been fantastic just being able to take what it is that is just the outdoors and apply it in such a way that we can help people that are directly going out and helping and and literally saving others as well as helping those people that are doing it to be to be more comfortable in their own skin because some of those jobs are very difficult to do and so we help prepare those folks as best we can as well and that way we can help them do what it is that they do even better than they're already doing so jennifer my wife has taught a number of 
public school programs now. She does those on a very regular basis. She has a degree in education, so that certainly helps, but she's just grown exponentially in her understanding of the outdoors because of some of her specific training in early childhood education it just applies it very well to school programs. So it's been, it's been a heck of a decade, man. It has been a very good decade for sure. What so the a question. Yeah, go ahead. No, I got one, one more question for you. Yeah. The forties saw your first and second book. Yeah. Yeah, first and second book. Yeah. That was a weird, you know, I didn't even, sorry, I didn't even talk about that. Writing books, I was talking with another author yesterday. It's kind of hard to explain unless you're talking to another author how that process works. But I remember just to be as frank and as honest as I possibly can, I don't know that I've ever told anybody this, but I bawled like a baby when I finished, when I put the last word into my first book, I cried like a baby for about an hour. It it just it it dug deep into me to put that first book together. I remember it was a uh, I don't know if it's a labor of love is the right way of saying it, but I put so much of myself out there in a book that it was it was hard. It was difficult. So that was quite enlightening to go through that process. And then the second book came along. I, I put everything I could in that book again and then was very fortunate to be able to work with Tracy on book three so that that made it a lot more being able to work with somebody else was uh, a lot more fun and a lot easier it made it fun instead of hard uh, that was the beauty of book two as well I got to do all the photography with Jennifer my wife so that made oh, very book nice. two a lot of fun so she did the photography for book three as well so that uh it's like you're isolated. I, Jennifer and the kids will tell you when I, especially in the latter portions before a deadline that I, I just, and, and most authors I know talk about getting into this place. You get into some zone where you're so much into your own head that you're not really a good person to other people outside you. And it's, it's bad for the people that are around you. <laughs> yeah, I, I could imagine. So a lot of pressure putting together that much information in that amount of time and to get everything right uh everything everything came on you so uh, i could see having jennifer there even taking pictures someone to talk to and, and spend time with during that process would be pressure mm -hmm. release for sure so the 40s 40s seem to be a pretty good decade for both of us mm -hmm. yeah Definitely. what about the 50s of course you're not hardly as old as i am <laughs> you said it on me <laughs> I beat you to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for me, man, I, I, I see, I don't know if most people are like this when they hit 50, but I, I, I don't know that using the word, I want to leave a good legacy is the right way of saying it. Although somebody said, that's what I'm trying to do. I don't feel like I'm trying to do that. I just want to know that, that I'm doing as much as I can to have a lasting effect on the world in a positive way as best I can. I have, I recognize now I'm not a big fan of the word expert or master, yeah. although some people use that word for other people. I'm not a fan of that for myself, but I do have to recognize that I have a decent skill set in some areas that I know that I can assist the world in. I, I want to do that. Not only do I want to do that, I also want to expand what it is that I know. I'm currently a trainee through the Master Naturalist Program at the University of Kentucky. So there's a lot of practical knowledge I have in the woods, but not a tremendous amount of what I guess I would call scientific knowledge. So I'm trying to fix that. I'm trying to understand ecology and, and biosystems and, you know, herbace herbaceous and woody stem plants, archaeology, weather patterns, and all the things better than I actually know now from a scientific perspective. And definitely I want to get into, and I'm already writing some things along this line. I just haven't shared them with others is outdoor ethics and trying to bridge the gap. There's a huge gap between, I don't know how to, there's a huge gap, right? Between political factions, left and right. Democrat, yes. Republican, and I personally know from a lot of experience that around the campfire at a Nature Relant school class, you're going to find some of each enjoying one another's company. Very and true. so I see that and go, okay, then how can I use this to bridge the gap between the two and bring us together? Because personally, I think we're going down a road in this country that's not a healthy one where we're getting more and more divisive. And I personally 
can see that nature can bridge that gap. And so I'm going to invest a lot of time, energy and money actually in trying to bridge that gap and help bring people together. You know, maybe I can do it on a large scale. I don't know, but I'm doing to do it on my scale as much as I can. That's for sure. Yep. Trying to make a difference. Always the student, huh? Definitely. The more I learn, the more I only know a minuscule amount of what's going on out there. I mean, it's it's just amazing how much stuff is going on in the outdoors that we just have no idea how or why it works. And I'm working with all these professionals, particularly in this naturalist training, where you might have an archaeology professor one day, and then you've got a soil professor the next day and a water systems professor the next day. And they know their own thing incredibly well, but they don't know the other person's thing very well. Right. And so they rely upon one another to to meet the needs that need to be met. And I just think that's a good model for all of us to work together. Working together. That that would be a great theme for society right now, wouldn't it? Just yeah, come work, on, join in. Work Let's together. together. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Absolutely. What about you, dude? Tell me what, what's what's in store for Tracy moving forward. Uh, moving forward, much in line with you. I'm interested in seeing where Nature Reliance School goes, Nature Reliance Media goes interested in continuing my education on the outdoors, interested in continuing my work in search and rescue, helping others, helping people, helping educate people through the search and rescue team as well. And you are helping us do that as as well and and doing some uh, public announcements and that kind of stuff. I think there's a, uh, I think this would be a fair statement. Correct me if you think it's incorrect. A good portion of our kids growing up, they feel the outdoors is dirty and dangerous. Would yeah. you think that'd be true? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do. I do. And I would like to play some role in changing that because whenever I look back to my young years of growing up, almost all of it is outdoors. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, yeah, me too. You know, so I, I feel actually it just makes me sad to think and see the kids that won't get outside and, and do anything because they think it's dangerous and, and dirty and such. So if I can play a role in changing that going forward through search and rescue and through nature line school, I'd be uh, very pleased, very pleased. So you want to dig into these questions? Yeah. I'm interested in seeing what some of them asked here. You got the list, don't you? Yeah. So for the, for you all listening, we again queried some alumni people that have been through different classes at Nature Reliance School, which is fairly same, but different than Nature Reliance Media, this Nature Reliance Media podcast that we want to help grow and help do exactly what Tracy and I were just describing in our 50s and moving forward is to help educate people. Uh, We queried these folks, and here's some of the questions that came out. So the first one came from Clark, and the question is, what's the weirdest thing we have seen in the woods? You'll go first. Weirdest thing. Weirdest thing. Well, uh, I don't know about. I guess it depends on your definition of weirdest. How about interesting thing? I mean, let me do that. There one. you go. So we had finished up a search and rescue event in the Red River Gorge, and we do a after action review. Everyone, everyone gets together, make sure no one's injured. We talk about what went right, what went wrong, and how can we improve, which is a, a great way of doing things. So we're almost finished with the AAR, and we hear this noise rustling across the gravel road up in the tree. And hearing it, everybody kind of turns their eyes in that direction. From the basically the top of the tree, a black snake falls. Directly behind that is a squirrel coming down that tree chasing a black squirrel as it falls. Both of them hit the ground, and the squirrel continues to chase the the black snake away and then climbs back up to the tree to its nest. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that happen before. That's awesome. Yeah, to be able to witness that. And uh, needless to say, the after-action review was was finished at that point and <laughs> yeah, no chair away. But, yeah, it, it, it's interesting to see that, um, you know, black snake up that high in a tree just falling through midair. So maybe not weirdest, but definitely interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and how about yourself? Well, you have many, you have, you have, oh, many. I do you, have many, told but many stories over the years. I love telling stories and experiences that I've shared. And I love people sharing theirs with me. Like you just did. That's the uh, biggest one that I would say is weird. And this is kind of a creepy story. I don't know if I can share how creepy it is. 
because I'm not the best storyteller, but there, there's a nature preserve here in my hometown and the nature preserve was fortunate enough to get a grant to buy some land that surrounded it. They had never spent much time, the staff there had never spent much time on that land. The staff at that time said, Craig, would you go down and do basically like a site survey and just go around and what kind of trees, what kind of plants, what kind of buildings, if there's, because these are old farmhouses that are nearby to see if there's any old buildings on there that, you know, need to be torn down because they're dangerous or whatever. So I'm going all around this property it was about a hundred acres and I come across this old stone home out in the middle of basically nowhere. And you could tell nobody lived in it for a long time. And so I'm, it's got that real creepy vibe look to it, that creepy feeling going into it. I need to go in there and see what's going on. And so that I can report back. So I go in there and as I'm walking through the kitchen, I hear something in a cabinet it wasn't a big noise. You know, I'm thinking a rat or a mouse or something like that. So I go over there to, and I'm going to open the door to see, you know, is it a rat infestation or something of that nature? And when I open right before, actually, I, I start to open the door, a buzzard comes out of that cabinet. <laughs> and I mean, at face level, it comes out of that cabinet. And I'm not saying this is all stewardship minded and everything, but I've trained in martial arts for a long time and I drilled that thing as hard as I could right in the chest with my fist because it scared me that bad. I'd love to and, have that on video. Oh, oh, I'd love to see myself on video. I talk, you know, it's one of those times where I don't remember if I peed my pants, but I'd say I got pretty close to peeing but my pants. Missed, missed a good opportunity <laughs> to pee your pants. Oh, man. Oh, man. That would scare me to death. Oh, it did, man. I'll, I'll never forget that. It was especially wild. Especially your mindset there is, you know, rat or mouse or something like that. Yeah. And, and then a big buzzard come flying out. Oh, man. I would have probably made another door through the, the old building. All right. So uh, next question came from Nathan, who asked the question, was this the career path you always dreamed of? Was this a career path for you, Craig? No, not at all. It was interesting for people that know me now. This will probably, it's not, I'm not saying it'll blow your mind, but people go, really? When I went through college, my whole goal was to be a production inventory control supervisor in 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 manufacturing processes. Uh, I studied really hard to do that. I understood forecasting as far as manufacturing, uh, j- just-in-time inventory control, and all the things that go along with it, and interviewed for my what at that time was my dream job at Toyota Manufacturing right out of school. and did not get it, fortunately, for me, but that was my whole goal. That was what my dad had done he had worked in manufacturing for ibm and then which ended up becoming lexmark and i thought that's what i want to do because i'd watched my dad do it but one of the things that my dad also told me many 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 times he i don't think he really enjoyed his job that much was that to try to find a job that i love to do and then i would never have to go to work that i would just get to do what i love to do and he said that to me so many times that I've always had that in the back of my mind and I tried to do that. I would cautiously recommend other people to do the same because just because you love doing something doesn't always equate to a good living monetarily benefits and stuff to it. And there's a lot of value in that as well. So, but no, no, this is not what I always dreamed of. It is what I dreamed of after working in the utility industry for uh, for a while as being self-employed i do love the idea of that but again there's struggles that come along with that i mean again a lot of people don't know that i taught martial arts for a living for almost 15 years before i started teaching nature reliance school classes so yeah i always thought that i would be a martial arts instructor until the day i died and some injuries prevented me from continuing to do that yeah and that's where you and i met was through your martial arts school so I thought you... we met in the woods, right? No. At the searching and rescue thing? No. Because that's one of the questions here. No, that's, that's on down. We'll have that story. Okay, okay, okay. Seconds. We'll get into that in a minute. Then. Okay. Yeah. Um, so career path for me, definitely not anything to do with outdoors. Never even once crossed my mind growing up. My dad ran a auto body repair and he always worked for himself, as far as I can re- remember. I mean, as a little kid, he was running an auto body repair. I think he ran it for 30, 
31, 32 years. So I always had a job, always sanding, always masking, fixing rust, dents, even painted a couple cars in my lifetime. So, but that was not what I wanted to do. However, something that through that process always stuck with me. And I can remember even as a teenager thinking, I want to work for myself. So I set out to do it. And I always like numbers, analysis, that kind of stuff. So I went to Moorhead and got a degree in accounting, minored in computer information science, computers, basically. Went to work for a bank. And sure enough, right off the bat, they were telling me how much I was worth, my salary. I can remember whenever the bank president came in and moved me from hourly to uh, salary. And he was talking about how, how good opportunity it was and such. Well, after about three months, I got to noticing that if I added up the hours that I worked based on my salary versus my hour, hourly, I was actually making less per hour on salary than I was whenever I was working for an hourly raise. So a buddy and a buddy of mine, we got together. He was interested in working for himself. And he and I came up with the idea of doing real estate appraising, which is what I'm doing now. Been doing since 2001, so about 18 years now. But no, I never did um, think about being involved in an, any type of nature reliance type school glad that it has worked out that way it's been very very interesting for me yeah for sure glad you're here and glad we're doing what we're doing all right next question from tiffany what draws us to the woods what draws us to the woods uh for me it's i I can say one word and it's the peaceful peacefulness that you get at that peaceful feeling the, the quiet the um, alone that you get out there, the feeling that you get. I enjoy going out hiking alone, climbing a hill, getting out on a rock cropping and just kind of sitting there with my thoughts and, and such. I, I guess it's just the peacefulness that you get out there for me. How about yourself? I'm very naturally curious. I remember when I was in high school trying to figure out what I was going to do in college, I was always tinkering and tearing stuff up and trying to figure out how it worked. My mom told me I should be an engineer because of that. I tried to be an engineer and flunked out almost. But uh, but uh, that natural curiosity that is just part of me has extended into the outdoors. And I, I can try to figure out how a tree works and not be disappointed. I can figure out why an animal walks here and feeds here and not be disappointed at all. I love doing that sort of thing. Absolutely love it. Always wondering what's on the other side of the hill or around the bend or up that creek or is that your thought mentality? Yes and no. I mean, yeah, obviously that's part. I I love to know what's happening to the unknown, but I'm also one that doesn't feel like I have to like I can sit and look at a tree that I've looked at a million times and still see things about it that I had not seen before. Yeah, absolutely. And studying behavior of a deer. Like I actually have been, I have a different project every year. Last year it was about turkey tracks and studying turkey. This year I wanted to really dig deep into birthing process and early stages of wildlife. So I have studied raccoons, deer, and turkeys this year. I've known where they were born. I've known where they were being raised. And so I have went back and studied tracks and looked at behaviors at that area just because I'm just incredibly curious of animals that I've seen literally millions and millions of times. Well, that's probably too big of a number, but a lot of time just because I'm fascinated by that one small aspect of it. I just, there's never going to be enough time to study it all. I guess that's, I'm just naturally curious. I'm good. Very good. All right. So next question, mm-hmm. how we met. This also comes from Tiffany, as well as Andrew Flowers asked this question. Because there's two of them asking this question, we got two answers. <laughs> okay. Well, we have the um, we have the real one, which is through you and I met through your martial arts class, actually through the uh, keto class. So that's the real way that we met. However, the the reason that Tiffany asked this was the, <laughs> <laughs> the funny one was, and I had just well, you, you, that might have been the first time you ever met Tiffany, wasn't it? It was. It was the first yeah. time I met yeah. that whole crew of people at so all. So you held a survival weekend for search and rescue volunteers, and Tiffany was part of Tiffany and I were on the same team. And I had just 
I don't know, maybe new TIFF, maybe six months or so. So we were sitting by the fire talking about all things that you talk, sitting around a fire. And TIFF says, how did you two meet, by the way? And without pause, I rattled out. Well, <laughs> Which Al- is typical <laughs> Tracy fashion, by the way, for everybody listening. He's the so, comedic. <laughs> so her eyes met across the crowded room, you know, that, that type deal. So she still gives me heck over that. So that's <laughs> that's the reason she asked. That's how we met. So that's the funny one. And that's the, the serious one was uh, we, we met on the martial arts mat. Yeah, and for those listening that maybe engage in martial arts, you know what that means. I mean, Tracy and I used to beat the crap out of each other, and there's a there's a bond that grows with people like that that I don't know how else you build it except you know smacking people around in, in that manner. So that was that was good. Yeah. All right. Good. Qu- Next question is for you, man, because I can't answer this one. This one came from Jay, our good friend Jay Keaton. Uh-huh. His question was most rewarding search and rescue mission for Tracy. Oh, I bet this is, I bet this is a tough one for you. Yeah, that, that would be hard to pick the most, the the most rewarding. You're always dealing with people in a stressful situation. Whenever you get to them, seeing their relief on their face, I've had people break down and cry. uh, Whenever we get to them, I've had people, you know, so embarrassed that they, that they really want to, you know, need us there, but don't want us there because they're so, so embarrassed and stuff. We had, um, trying to think one that may really pop so we just had a vietnam vet gosh he was um into his mid to late 70s he had came down a little bank into a creek and uh slipped slipped and broke his ankle about a mile and a half in from the parking lot and going in and getting him uh he was just a very very nice gentleman never complained once greg never complained once we would have to pick him up move him and and get splints on him and stuff and never ever ever complained just you know we would tell him well we're gonna have to move you we gotta move you and he said you just do what you want and then whenever we got him back to the parking lot he was just thank you thank you thank you thank you i'm sorry i was a burden thank you thank you thank you mm-hmm. you know those types of things are rewarding I, I would say the that's one you know good side of it the other side is we have we have had to go in and get people that have passed away we run a high ropes angle team go over a cliff line and bring, you know, retrieve a body and bring it back up. And the family would be out in the parking lot. That's heartbreaking. But at the same time, you're kind of helping them have a little closure there in, right. in a small way. You know, that would be very distressing to me if I knew one of my girls were at the bottom of a cliff and just laying there, you know, hard to pick the most rewarding, but I would say just, just the fact of getting out and helping people is so rewarding in and of itself. So let me do a plug here. If you're listening to this podcast, go out and find some, some, and you like outdoors, obviously, or you wouldn't be listening probably go out and find a search and rescue. They're all over the country, volunteer. You get some good, good training, good people, and you get out and help people. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. All right, guys and gals. That's that's it. That's where we come from. We wanted to give you our backgrounds so there's no confusion. That gives you uh, our, some insight into both our outdoors as well as maybe some of our education and, and where else we come from that forms who it is that Tracy and I are. It'll give you an idea also some of the topics that we're going to be discussing. As we mentioned, really, really passionate about figuring out ways to get kids outside, get families outside, anybody outside, actually. But because so few youth get outside, we're definitely going to do some programming, some podcasts for that. Tracy's going to be sharing some of these experiences from Search and Rescue. You know, we've got 100 years of experience between the two of us to put to use to help you get outside areas that are outside of our wheelhouse, things that we are interested in ourselves, things that we may not have the authority or the ability or even any experience to talk about. We'll bring people in that want to be interviewed to talk about their thoughts and share their opinions. We will most likely even get people on that we disagree with in an effort to have a reasoned and civil discussion about nature and being outside because we don't assume that our opinion is the only opinion. It is just a way of doing things, not the way of doing things, which is a nod to our good friend, Rodney Van Zant. Yes. Very uh, good. So I've enjoyed it, my friend. Look forward to working with you on this as we move forward. And I'll leave the final word to you. Well, I enjoyed it. I look forward to these podcasts, Craigs, and I look forward to the topics that's going to come up. One thing that we want through this process is the listeners to give us input. 
tell us how to improve, tell us what topics you want us to cover. Some of those topics are going to be quite easy, I, I would imagine, and some of them is going to be, I would imagine, rather challenging, which is really going to stress us, force us to research, uh, force us to go out and get people. It's going to help us grow as well. So I'm looking forward to the topics that that are going to be coming up over time. So thank you very much for listening and supporting us and mean this from the bottom of our hearts. We thank you greatly. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Nature Reliance Media Podcast. We will do all we can to make this a great podcast, but we need your help. There are three simple and free ways you can help us out. Number one, subscribe to the podcast. That ensures you get all episodes in a timely fashion. Number two, give us a review. Five stars is great. Where it's optional, please add a sentence or two. We will read them all. Number three, share this podcast with your friends and family. As we move forward, leave us a voice message on Anchor or send us an email to info at naturereliance.org. We want this to be a mutually supportive community of listeners. Let us know what content you want to hear. If we can talk about it with experience, we will. And if we can't, we will find someone who can and interview them. Don't forget to look in the description below for links that we mentioned during the show. Come on, join in, let's learn together. And that wraps up another fantastic episode of the Nature Reliance Podcast. I hope today's journey has inspired you to explore and connect with the natural world in new and exciting ways. Before I say goodbye, remember to check out the Nature Reliance School online membership. If today's episode sparked your interest in wilderness skills and outdoor adventures, this online community is the perfect place for you to start or continue your journey. You can currently sign up for a year for only $99 and get two months for free. Click the link below to discover a world of expert-led courses, engaging content, and a vibrant community eager to share their knowledge and experiences. Whether you're starting your outdoor journey or looking to deepen your existing skills, the Nature Reliance School online membership is here to guide you. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe for more adventures and share this podcast with your fellow nature enthusiasts. Until next time, come on, join in. Let's learn together.